Good morning, everybody. How's everyone? Wow, that was quieter. It's still morning. Don't be so loud. Uh, if you don't know me, that's not possible. So that's just the way it is. Man, that was some good worship. Anybody feel blessed already? I was singing my heart out over there, and I just realized, oh, dang, I got to preach too. I got I to save some vocal cords here. Well, last week, we, like Pastor Tim was saying, we started this amazing journey in talking about spiritual gifts. Or spiritual gifts. Spiritual dis disciplines. Well, we'll eventually lead to spiritual gifts. But spiritual disciplines, and man, if you were here or you were watching online, uh, that message was jam-packed. There was a lot to process, a lot to unpack, which is fantastic because... Uh, it kind of left no stone unturned for what the direction that we're heading in. So if you haven't had a chance to, to listen to that message or watch it on our, on our channel, um, go back. Even if you were here, your mind like mine might still be spinning. Because I was watching it yesterday and referencing back and forth, back and forth what I was going to kind of share today. But this morning we're going to talk about this spiritual discipline called meditation. We have this... Well, we'll get into what our mind said. When we hear that word, sometimes our, our minds go, cuckoo, <laughs> you know, because we have this, mind, this picture in our mind of what meditation is, like it's with your knees crossed in a corner, mm, kind of like, that's just weird. I don't know why that's equated with meditation, but we have these pictures in our brain that that's what it is. Um, so last week, Pastor Tim gave us a couple of definitions, and I just wanted to revisit those real quick of what spiritual disciplines are. It said, spiritual disciplines are practices of a disciple of Jesus that can engage to intentionally allow the Holy Spirit to form their life more and more into the image of Christ over their lifetime. No biggie, right? No problem at all. Easy peasy. Mm -hmm. Or as Andy Crouch put it, a set of practices to guard our hearts and guide our lives. And I was thinking this week as I was preparing and I was thinking and kind of putting my notes together, which normally culminates on a Saturday night, which <laughs> happened again. But that's okay because God is speaking, God is working, God's doing something. And I tried to think about why, because I even think in my own life, Spiritual disciplines are hard because we need to be intentional about them. We need to make space for it. But also I wondered why is that such a hard thing to jump into? And I kind of thought about it and I asked God, what is the hard thing about it? And then I believe God dropped this little nugget of, of a truth bomb into my heart. And, and I thought to myself, so many people have a hard time with the word spiritual discipline because they have a warped and distorted view of what the word discipline means. Some of you just thought of something in your life. We have a warped view of what discipline means because discipline equals trouble. Right? I work in a middle school. Nine times out of ten, discipline means trouble. They're kids. They're precious. 
most days. That's why we pray for our students. Because they're faced with a lot of junk and a lot of things that I never had to deal with as a child. They are bombarded on the daily. So keep praying for our students. Keep praying for our teachers. Please pray for your teachers. But why is it so hard? Here's what the dictionary says about, about uh, discipline. It's the practice of training people to obey rules or a code of behavior using punishment to correct disobedience. Well, that sounds special. <sighs> I'm breathing lighter now, right? That's so much more fun. Not really. When our only motivation is to do something so we don't get in trouble, that doesn't, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a reception thing. That's just, I'm doing it so I'm <laughs> not in trouble. I was a kid once. I remember doing stuff that antagonized my parents. None of you did, though, because y'all are amazing. But we do these things, and we get scared, and we're afraid of the word discipline because of what it means, normally generated from where we've been in our lives. We need to see spiritual disciplines as something necessary, something that we need. The thing is, if I don't do a spiritual discipline in my life, I'm not going to get in trouble. But I'm going to sure miss out on a whole lot that God has for me. Because I learned to recognize his voice more. I get more from his word. And so much more life comes streaming out of his words. And all of a sudden when somebody gives me a word and says something to me that encourages me, I'm more receptive and I can pick out, okay, was that Jesus speaking or was that just them? We learn to discern his voice more easily when we're listening to him alone. Right? So, I don't know if this has ever happened to y'all before. But you've ever had something happen in your life that at that very moment you were just unable to think rationally? Anybody? Okay, just to, well, only five of you put your hands up. The rest of you are like, I'm not putting that up, man. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. <laughs> it's like, you almost hit the TV off the wall back there. I mean, sometimes when we have to make those little decisions, we kind of just feel paralyzed about what we have to do or what we have to make a choice to do. Or there's those monumental moments where you just can't think straight. We're caught off guard and our mind just seems to shut off. Our hearts are racing. Our spirits are in overdrive. Our bodies feel it, but our minds have turned off. Sometimes that's just self-preservation and protection. It's just kind of saving it. We receive news like what we were just praying about this morning. We receive news that is not good. Maybe that news is from a doctor. Maybe it's from a family member. Maybe it's job-related. Whatever it is, it's not good. We feel it in our bodies, but our minds have a tendency to just go blank. Anybody ever been there? Where you just get to that point where you're just like, I got nothing. Which is such a beautiful place to be because you leave room for the Holy Spirit to jump in and start speaking to our hearts. Because when we reach that point where we got nothing, 
He is our everything. He brings it. Sometimes he brings it whether we like it or not. And then we realize, oh, I did need that. Thank you, Jesus. I needed that more than I knew. When these moments occur, and they, and they do, we need to get into this practice of learning how to slow down. And kind of slow down and take time with the process. Because we're busy. Anybody busy? Sweet Lord of hosts, we're busy. We are. That's why all these things are so important and how intentional that we need to be with these disciplines. The more we put things off, the harder it is to pattern those things for those around us. Because I'm responsible for people in my house. I'm responsible for people in this church family. And it's not something that we take lightly. Can I let you know a little secret? We're kind of responsible for each other. Don't tell anybody. I don't want to blow any secrets. But this morning, I know, it kind of sounds like we're going off on a TED talk or a, or a, uh, a self-help talk this morning. Well, we are. Because the Bible is the best self-help book on the planet. And all these self-help books that come out, strangely enough, a lot of their principles are biblically based. They just don't give glory to God. They give glory to, because I'm a genius. No, you stole it. Thou shalt not steal. That's, you know, it's full circle. It comes around. So a lot of times we don't know what to do. How to, we don't know how to slow down. At the work day yesterday, I wish I knew how to slow down. But there's a lot of trees. And my chainsaw was having way too much fun. I probably cut off too much. But it was all for the glory of the Lord. <laughs> God's like, not that one. Never mind. Never mind. We'll plant another one. <laughs> Put that on the list, Chad. Thank you. I was a little overzealous on that, but that was fun. The thing is, when we try to hang on to something, we're often hanging on so tightly to the things that we need to let go of. We hold on to the wrong thing. It's like, I don't know if you've ever seen that picture. It used to be in a, I think it used to be like a teacher poster or something like that. And it had this cat just hanging on the screen. And it just has this little, this like wide-eyed, distraught look on its face. And it says, hang in there. Everybody ever seen that? Ever felt like that? And the, 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 screen steeps, the, the screen keeps breaking and stretching. Claws aren't holding on the way they used to. He wants us to hold on to the things that are right and good and holy and just and pure for us. God did not create us just to simply endure. He created us for so much more. He created us to celebrate life. So we take verses like John 10.10. 10. We'll put that on the screen in just a second. But we want to believe that God has for us what, what this verse will say, an exceedingly abundant life. What does that mean? Exceedingly abundant. That doesn't sound like barely getting by to me. God has given you this amazing life so you could just scrape by. That's kind of messed up, right? 
When he says, I came to give you a life and life more abundantly, he means it. Does that mean you're going to be loaded rich? Maybe. If you are super, let's talk. Just kidding. I'd really like a Slurpee machine. But anyways. Are we living this mindset, this exceedingly abundant life mindset? Because sometimes we, will, we say, oh, yeah, God promised me exceedingly abundant, but yet our mindset is like the beggar. And God's like, I got so much more for you. All you got to do is tap in. This is where the disciplines come in. So the verse in its whole says, the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. We have an adversary that absolutely hates your guts. And the fact that you're sitting in this room listening to a talk like this is really, really upsetting him. So way to go. Those of you online, way to go. I always wanted to point it at a camera. There it is. Satan doesn't want you to have any coping abilities. He wants to destroy your heart, your hope, and your spirit. And how does he do that? By taking God out of our presence. Out of our presence. Why? How does he do that? Distraction after distraction after distraction. There's this little demon called the iPhone. I say that lightly, but it's not really. <laughs> I have one, don't worry. Bless it every day. But when Jesus comes to give us abundant life, when we think of this idea of meditation, where does our mind go as believers? Where does our mind go as Christians? We get suspicious of the idea. Because like I said, we have this preconceived notion in our brain of what meditation is. So today we're actually going to take this really, really broad stroke of the many facets of biblical meditation and what that means for us. And hopefully by the end you'll have a clearing, clearer, wow, clearer, clearly, whatever you want to do, just as long as it makes more sense. I just think of pictures with people that, you know, with their cross legs and I can't even do it because if I ever got in that position, I'm going to need help to get out of it. When you blow out your knee and you have surgery and it doesn't still feel right, it's like, this is barely bending now. I'm not crisscross applesaucing for nobody. I mean, if Jesus wanted to, he's going to have to heal that knee then, so that'll be good. I'll just kneel. That's fine. It's easier. Then you're not pretzeling your legs. A lot of us don't meditate. We don't do spiritual disciplines because we simply don't know what it is. We've heard the word, we sing it in songs, we read it in Bible verses, but what does it mean to meditate? On 58 different occasions in the Old Testament, we are told to meditate. If it's told to us 58 times, we might want to take heed that this might be important, right? Psalms chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. 
Psalm 119.97 says, Oh, how I love your law. I meditate it all day long. I read what the message, I like cross, looking at different versions, see what they say, make sure they track with one another, and it's very close. I love the way the message put it. It says, I reverently ponder it all day long. I feel like that should be said with a British accent. I reverently ponder it all day long. That seems more like a vibe right there. That seems like well, the way it should sound. When's the last week we reverently pondered the things of God? No, stop talking to me. See, they're listening. When's the last time we reverently pondered the things of God? And we just stopped. And we just listened. Last night as I was writing, I love listening to music. I love music. You can, my iPod is probably one of the most, iPod, what is that thing? <laughs> my iPhone 15, I don't have that, but my laptop, I was just playing music. And I love music, but sometimes, I don't know if this is you, but when you kind of start listening to music with words, Either you start thinking the words or you start typing them. So lyrics made it into my sermon a few times last night. Had to go to something instrumental because it just like, okay, this isn't, this isn't working for me. So I literally just put on this soaking worship music in the background. And literally, I looked at it and, and it said, four hours of soaking music. Cool. And as I was listening there and just sitting there and, and writing and praying and, listen, and just hearing God's voice and just enjoying the music, I realized this music is playing the same four chords over and over and over and over. And you get it. I'm a drummer. I was waiting for the drums to kick in. They didn't. So even in the midst of an instrumental song, I found, my distract, I found myself distracted by a chord progression that was, it had the, the, like an like a angelic choir in the background and strings, and it was beautiful. And I'm worried about, that's only four chords. For three hours, I've been listening to four chords. That's all I got out about my time with Jesus? I need to focus more. Right? I was distracted by four chords. So, not good. Psalm 63, 4 through 7 says, I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. And I like feasts. I will praise you with songs of joy. I will lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night. Because you are my helper, I sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. The point of meditation is simply to connect with God. That is the point of it. The point is to listen to God's plan and desire for each of our lives. It's literally that simple. It's a time to draw close to him. But there's something about meditation that can be scary. It's not concrete. It's not like reading the Bible where you hold the book in your hands and the words are given to you. Meditation is simply just between you and God. 
And it is a special, special moment. And maybe that in itself sounds daunting to you. We come face to face with God alone in that moment. I've heard of people having their prayer space, their prayer closets, their place. This is where I go to spend time with Jesus. I know some people will drive to the beach, set up for the day, and that's their sanctuary for the day. That's where they meet Jesus. That's where they hang out and meditate. You do you. Richard Foster in his book says this. It says, meditation boldly calls us to enter into the living presence of God for ourselves. It tells us that God is speaking in the continuous present and wants to address us. God speaking to us. Isn't that what we long for? I want to know that every time I can get in God's presence, he has something to say. Do we have the ears to listen? In meditation, we create a space which allows Christ to build an inner sanctuary in all of us. Revelation 3.20 says this. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come, in him, come, to, come into him and dine with him and he with me. That is extremely intimate. That is extremely intimate. Jesus knocking, wanting us to come to be with him. It's not just that we're going to eat together. It's the fact that Jesus wants to eat with you and he wants you to eat with him. It's not just the idea, it's the personal touch that he puts on it. But it also lends to the fact that Jesus is a complete and utter gentleman. He didn't kick in the door to spend time with you. He didn't force himself in. He says, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. If you would like to have dinner, just open the door. And he'll come in. He's a complete gentleman. So in a sense, meditation opens the door, and the aim is to bring this living reality into all of life. We become a portable sanctuary, and the presence of God is brought into all we are and all we do. That's what meditation is. So, let's look at what meditation is. So I kind of... When you're kind of talking about things like this, it kind of le leans less to the ideas of a sermon and more to the idea of a teaching. Because it's like an education. I'm educating myself. I found out stuff that was pretty cool when I was doing this. So hopefully you find some stuff that you find really, really uh, helpful as well. So what is meditation? How is this different from, say, like the New Age or Buddhist meditation and things that they talk about. This is the um people, okay? These are the people that crisscross applesauce for hours and hours and hours. And I don't know how that's humanly possible, but they do it. You never see pictures of them getting up, though. That's, that's a different point. See, the goal of Eastern meditation is to empty our minds. Remember... When they, t when they get into their mantras and, the, and their repetitions and things like that, it's all about emptying your mind, clearing your mind out. I'm like, oh, I need to fill it. Don't leave me empty. <laughs> that just leaves too much space. You can make jokes about emptying our minds because, well, we're human. 
Eastern meditation seeks to detach one from the world, to be freed from the burdens and pains of life, which all sounds good on the surface, but there's no God we can attach to because the goal of that meditation is detachment. It's meant to separate from everything. The difference in biblical meditation is that our job is to separate from everything so we can connect to one thing. Detach from all the junk and spend your time focusing on the one true king. That's what our goal needs to be. We detach ourselves from the worries, the anxieties, and all the things that we're going through, and we attach ourselves to Jesus. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this. He said, just as you do not analyze the words of someone you love, but accept them as they are said to you, accept the word of Scripture and ponder it in your heart as Mary did. That is all. That is meditation. If you have people that come up and they say something nice to you, whatever, do you overthink and overanalyze? Sometimes we overthink and analyze because we're like, what are you up to? What's your motive here? You never talk to me. What do you want? I know you guys wouldn't feel that way because y'all are super holy and spiritual. We can truly come into the presence of God and knowing if we put ourselves in the right posture, he is going to speak. Just we just need to be listening. Christian meditation is simply the ability to hear God's voice and obey his word. It is no more complicated than that simple explanation. It requires no secret knowledge, no mysteries, no secret formula. It's not rocket science. There's no mantras. There's no mental gymnastics. But it just does require one thing. And if you want to get good at anything, what do you need to do? <gasps> I heard practice. And Alan Iverson wasn't in the room. Those are for the sport nerds. You're welcome. We need to practice. How do I practice? Do I go to the gym? Is there a basketball involved? No. Just this and this. Just your head and your heart. And getting in a posture where you're in a distraction-free environment and just entering into the presence of Jesus. That's it. Because it's so easy in 2023 to be distraction-free. I heard some chuckles. They're like, oh, aren't you cute? Another way of describing meditation is to call it contemplative prayer. Maybe you've heard that before. It's a calming, calming of our mind and our hearts so, that we, so God's voice can be clearly heard. Meditation calms us so we can just do that and have a right relationship with him. Another way of describing meditation is inward fellowship. As we have this inward fellowship, Jesus changes who we are so that we can become more like him. That's the goal. I'm jacked up. I'm flawed. I'm messed up. My goal is to, be loved, be, to have the mind of Christ, is to be like Jesus in everything that I do. Meditation allows us to connect ourselves to God in three ways. First thing, it connects with our minds. What are we thinking about? 
He connects it with our minds. The second thing is he connects with our hearts. What are we feeling? And that's a completely different sermon, talking about feelings. But come on Wednesday nights, we're talking about lots of cool things with emotionally healthy classes. We just talked about feelings this last week. It was fantastic. I sat in a room with a bunch of guys, all opening up about their feelings and stuff. It was awesome. Men do that. <laughs> Ladies are like, what? When? Sorry, fellas, now you're going to get grilled when you get home. What did you say? <laughs> like, did you mention my name? Nothing. Okay. Third thing that meditation allows us to do is it connects our souls to him. What we're concerned about. What we're concerned about, he's concerned about too. Here's the thing. We can't let the concern outweigh what God wants to do in our lives. We can't let the concern be so heavy that even when I'm sitting in, the, in God's presence, I'm so worried about the thing that I'm not letting him speak because I'm drowning him out with my stuff. The point of meditation, remember, is to separate from those things. He's well aware that they're real. He sees you every day. He knows they're real. But he also knows he's bigger than all of it. And he already died for those things, so you don't have to. Amen? So don't get caught up on that because he's already paid the price for all the stuff. So don't kill yourself over it. Embrace him over it. Meditation is connecting to God with our whole self and holding nothing back. I know there'll be some people that will look at Christian meditation and think it's just a bunch of touchy-feely, gooey stuff. Sometimes we have that mindset, but it's not. It's a way to bring ourselves closer to Christ. Because a lot of times we... Now I'm talking about other churches, not you guys. But sometimes we'll see people, and they're having a moment with Jesus. There's emotions, and there's feelings, and there's tears, and all that. And sometimes in our brain, instead of praying or celebrating or doing whatever we need to do in that moment to not be distracted, we find ourselves saying, what's up with them? A little extra, a little extra, a little over the top. If that's what you're getting out of the moment, you're completely missing the point. What is happening in that moment is between them and Jesus. None ya business. They want to talk about it later. Buy them a, well, if it's me, buy me a Slurpee. Buy Pastor Tim a cup of coffee. Or Dutch Bros. I'll do the Dutch Bros. I'm fine with that. See, it's not about what others, what we perceive others are getting out of it. If we're more worried about what others are getting out of their time with the Lord than we're getting out of ours, then we're completely missing the mark on that. It's not about what they celebrate with them that they're having their moment with Jesus and God has given them a breakthrough in whatever they're going through. Worry about this. Y'all got enough problems with this right here. Right? <laughs> and, and this was, I was kind of reminded of this. One time I was at a prayer gathering. And we were all seeking God. It was kind of like, we were kind of doing like a meditation moment where kind of everybody was off on their own, kind of doing their own thing, just spending time with the Lord. And then, and apparently God wanted to speak through someone else and to come and tell me something. Maybe. 
Or did God want to tell me something? Or did the person just wanted to tell me their opinion on something? But as soon as they use the phrase, God told me, I can't say, no, he didn't. I can't do that. I was sitting there praying, and this person came up to me, and he said, uh, God has a word for you. And I'm like, oh, cool. God wanted you to know that you're insecure. Thank you. Thanks for that. I'm done. <laughs> it's like, I'm done focusing on Jesus right now. Because whatever that was completely derailed my focus. Because my focus no longer shifted on me and Jesus. It focused on how flawed I am. Was that something from the Lord? In my heart and in my brain, I say no. Trust me, if I'm insecure, I'm well aware. We all have our things, right? I don't need, so, you know, it, people are people. And I was told I need to stop being insecure. So in that moment, what do you think I was focusing on the rest of the time? I was focusing on the rest of the time instead of what God was trying to say to me directly. It completely derailed that. And now I'm focusing on second-guessing on my progress with Jesus my whole life. I'm second-guessing everything. I'm like, oh, I th thought we were having a breakthrough. I guess I'm back to square one. And the thing is, in that moment, I let that thing have power on me that I should never have let. Now I look back and I'd be like, nope. I was just beginning to experience this idea of the prophetic and how it works in people's lives and things like that. And sometimes people confuse the prophetic for opinion. Or they give you a prayer request, but it's really gossip. I don't know if you've heard, but really, we really need to pray for sister so-and-so. I heard. And I was like, shh, right there. She's not here. Are you going to say this if she's in the room? Does she know you're saying this? If not, then zip it. Don't need to hear it. I got my own stuff. So when I got told I was insecure in the middle of a, mo a very special moment, man, it rocked my confidence. And why did I let it do that? Because it was a very intimate moment I was having with Jesus, and all of a sudden it just got rocked. And so as we spend time with Jesus, we need to learn to recognize the difference between a spiritual distraction and a spiritual discipline. The fact that you're spending your time with Jesus, the devil really, really hates that. And he doesn't want you to have that. So sometimes he'll send your peeps to derail you. Do they know they're better? Oh, today I guess I'm an agent of Satan. Here I go. Maybe the intentions were pure. I, it's a conversation that back then, years ago, I should have had with them. I never had a conversation. That's me. That's my fault. I, sh I should have had a clarity thought and just say, walk out with them and say, hey, I have a question for you. Who do you think you are? 
That would have been a good one. And I'm probably sure that's where the conversation would have ended. Because maybe they would have started crying or something. And maybe they just even realized that in that moment, that's what they did. So we got to be willing to call out the junk in order to let God speak. Meditation is intended between us and God. So if we're in a distraction-free environment, guess what? That won't happen. The only thing that can keep us from moving forward in, our, in the presence of God is us. That's it. It's just us. Here's a cool fact that I found, too. Completely unspiritual. But maybe, maybe, uh, maybe worth it. Meditation may reduce your blood. Distractions. <laughs> He's talking to me more than. Meditation may reduce your blood pressure and help relieve tension. You may even fall asleep. <sighs> you mean it's therapeutic too? It's like Jesus was a doctor or something. He knows what we need more than we do. So if he knows I need anti stress medicine, <gasps> I should pray. But normally we go everywhere else first, and then we're like, oh, let me check. Oh, number six on my list, pray. <sighs> All right. And now we feel guilty because we didn't do it first, so now our prayer's like, oh, Lordeth, my Godeth, you remembereth me? I'm like, don't get all King James on him. He just, just talk to him. Just talk to him, okay? You don't have to get all Old English on him. He knows what you're going to say. Now, that's not the purpose of meditation is to help your health. But, man, when you walk away from a time, in a time with God, I would think that the tensions in life would melt away. I would think that when you come out of it, you know that you've been in the presence of the living God, which is pretty sweet, right? So then as you look at this, how do we enter? Number two is how do we enter? So we kind of laid what meditation is. I think you got it, that it's like it's just you and Jesus hanging out. That's it. That's all. Hanging out. Somebody's at your door. So how do we enter into meditation? A wonderful biblical example comes from Paul's words to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 12 to 15. It says this, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not, do not neglect, wow, neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands in the, of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident for all. See, a lot of times we like to use this verse, but we cut it off for young people. Say, oh, let, don't, nobody despise you because you're young. And we stop there. Those other verses are jam-packed full of instruction. Look at that. Yeah, have nobody disrespect you because you're young, but be an example in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Holy mackerel, that's a lot. That is a list right there. Freak anybody else out? So what you're saying is that people watch us. Be an example in all these things. 
The word meditate here means to consider something, to remember, to muse, to rehearse something in your mind. I like the way he says it at the end. It says, Paul is calling Timothy to rehearse in his mind all the things which God has given him. Paul says, meditate on these things. What things? It's right there. Meditate on these things. Give entirely to all those things that your progress may be evident at all. Of what? Do not neglect the gift that is in you. Strive for the gifts. You all have them. And like what Pastor Tim was saying, coming into this setting together is for all of us to showcase our gifts together because the purpose of our gift is not for us. It's for everybody else. It's for the purpose of lifting up others that are in the room. Somebody who may need something. We all help each other. That's a beautiful picture of the body of Christ. Timothy is to meditate on what it means to hold on to the word, conduct, love, spirit, faith, purity, reading, exhortation, and doctrine. That's a lot. Easy peasy, right? How do we meditate on these things? Are you ready? Everybody got their pens ready? This is going to blow your mind. Talk to God about them. Isn't that amazing? Talk to God about them. He put them there. Ask him for clarity. Ask him what this means. Ask him. Do you think whatever you have to ask him is going to stump him? Have you seen the universe? Nothing, nothing's going to stop him. Nothing can stump him. He created you. He knows everything about you. He knows everything about you that you don't know about you. He knows what's going on. A gentleman named John Ortberg says this. He says, why is it that when we speak to God, we are said to be praying, but when God speaks to us, we're said to be schizophrenic? Isn't that true? I love seeing the faces of the kids in my Bible class. Eighth graders. They are precious. When we say we're going to pray, it's like, nah, let's pray. And I says, what was God saying? You're weird. No, what was he saying? I'm introducing my eighth graders to Bible study. Why? Because most of them can't find the, the Gospels. We go into, the, we do Bible studies in my class, part of my curriculum. I also fill them with Christian music every week. It's awesome. Worship music, let's do this. If someone said, I heard from God this morning, or they said, God told me I needed to do something, if you've been around for a while in the church and, and, and been a Christian for some time, we're, we're familiar with that. But it's like the first time somebody shows up to church, they accept Jesus, and then they get asked, are you washed in the blood? Oh, uh, what do you guys do here? That sounds weird. There's a familiarity to it the more we get used to it, right? So there's a language that comes with it. 
But this is what exactly what God's, God wants for us. Because for us to become more like Christ, to be transformed more and more into his image, we need to know God even better and be able to recognize and listen to his voice. And meditation does that. So, everybody ready for the last point? Ready to start landing the plane? Okay. Oh, I can keep going. Man, I have six pages I haven't even touched yet. <laughs> Everybody's like, there's a game on. Okay. The Chiefs are playing. What are you talking about? So what's important? So there are really three important aspects of when it comes to meditation. Time, place, and posture. What's important? These things, time, place, and posture. So time, try to find the time, right? We're stretched and pushed in so many different directions that it, sometimes it's difficult to find the time. But if you don't set a time for it, it will never work. If you don't make it a priority, it won't work. So we got to make it a priority. We have to set a time for it. Look at your schedule. Block it out. Set an appointment for you and God. Make it a priority. Make it an essential appointment in your day or your week. Put a little star on your calendar if you have to. Make it precious. And literally, it could be any time of the day. I would recommend not doing it when you're exhausted. But that lends to that, oh, I might get some rest. <laughs> Anybody who fallen asleep reading their Bible? Nobody put their hands up. Liars. Come on. Thank you. I got you, brother. Like you're in the middle of a really good chapter, too, and then you're oh, still here. Okay. It happens. We're, we get tired. There's, the Lord doesn't sit up and say, look at this guy. Sleeping when he should be doing something that he knows he should be doing. And Jesus is like, I know. I dealt with 12 of them a lot. I know what's happening right now. So it could, it's basically whatever works for you as far as the time because we're all wired differently and our schedules are all completely different. So there's no right time. Just make time. Whatever works for you. Now, the next thing, find the right place. Make sure it's a comfortable place. I got here this morning, went to my office, my chair, and instead of sitting on a generator, I thought I would go and go sit in our lovely remodeled nursery cry room thingy. It's delightful in there. Even if you don't have a baby, you should go check it out. The couch is amazing. So I went in there, went over my notes this morning, listened to the worship team practice and things. It was fantastic. It was perfect. Put yourself in a posture in a place where you can be distraction-free and you don't have to worry about ring, ring, ding, dong, or your ring doorbell going off. So just put your phone on mute. <gasps> what? I might miss something. Yeah, probably. That's okay. It'll be there. It's called notifications. It'll be there when you get to it. A chair, sofa, the floor, Whatever you want to do, Should just be free from interruptions. 
Can you turn off your phone? Yeah, I said it. Turn off your phone. Put it in another room. And take off your watch. <laughs> I've heard. <laughs> I don't know if there's any truth to that or not. <laughs> They're awesome, but also <laughs> precious. No television, no social media, no phones. Put a metaphorical do not disturb sign in your heart, your mind, your body, and your spirit. I, saw, I heard this quote, and I thought it was very powerful. If we as this present generation continue to be distracted from spiritual disciplines and find them optional, the next generation will find them unnecessary. Did you grab that? Should I say it again? Okay, I'm going to, because it's in my notes to say repeat. If we as this present generation continue to be distracted from spiritual disciplines and find them optional, the next generation will find them unnecessary. If we don't pattern that for them, all they're catching is our stuff. All they're catching is our chaos. And let me tell you, speaking from experience, kids pick up on chaos. And they start living the chaos if we aren't patterning the right thing for them. It's a big deal. Guess what else? Also, I want to pattern it for my neighbor. You know, the one you hope that doesn't come out of the garage to talk to you when they pull in. Quick, kids in the house, in the house. They're home, they're home, they're home, they're home, they're home. Y'all are laughing because y'all thought of someone when I said that. Like, they're here, they're here, they're here, they're here. Why isn't the remote working? <laughs> Just saying. It happens. As we set the tone, others will follow. Enter into a sacred space. This is your time with God. If you're filled with anxiety and concern, intentionally pick a position which signifies peace and relax relaxation. Remove yourself from anything that would give you, I use the word triggers. hate the word, but that's all I had right now. Remove yourself from the things that would spark that in your mind and in your heart. You can simply talk to God as in prayer, but then spend time trying to fill your being with his presence. Sometimes, I don't know if you've ever been with someone who's gone through a trauma or gone through just a really, really hard time. Sometimes all you can do is just sit in their presence with them and keep your mouth shut. They don't need you to say anything. They just need you there. And sometimes that's all. Sometimes you got nothing to say. And don't over-spiritualize the moment. Just be present. Because that means more than anything that we can say. And then words will come. As they're ready and willing to open up. So kind of like the same thing when we're in the presence of God. Get in God's presence, but shh. There's nothing that we have to say to him that he doesn't already know. But he also likes us to verbalize those things with him. 
because out of the mouth, verbalize them, say things. But also, once we verbalize, you don't need to elaborate. I've prepared a thesis for you, O Lord. Say your thing, and then listen, and rest in his presence, because there's nothing more sweeter than that. Meditation can look differently. Maybe it's focusing on scripture that you read and talking to God about it and what it means for you. Maybe it's singing a song that you have in your head, singing it and praising God as you worship. Maybe you lift your hands when you normally don't. Maybe it's doing something a little different but safe. Maybe it's sitting in nature and giving thanks to God for the blessings you are feeling. Maybe it's laying your burdens at his feet, seeking God's help and wisdom in difficult moments of life. Maybe you need to make a decision and you don't know what to do. So you spend that quiet time with God and talk to God about what's happening because whatever you bring to him has not taken him by surprise and it does not shock him. He's just waiting for the moment to speak into it with you. And when we give him that opportunity, he will speak. I guarantee it. He will speak. Man, it sounds a lot like prayer, doesn't it? It's connecting to God on a very, very intimate level. So again, Jesus today is knocking on our hearts. He wants to enter in and be with us. Take the time to experience his power and presence and draw nearer to God as you experience his power and presence. So like we like to do sometimes, all the time, I want to provide you with some self-reflecting questions as you kind of think through and contemplate this discipline of meditation. And as we wrap up this morning, there's going to be some questions on the screen. And simply this. What does meditation mean to you, and is it a practice? Is it a weird word, or is it a real thing? What would your day week look like with a regular, undistracted time with only Jesus? And then if your brain just said, it would be way better, it would probably kind of set my mind at ease about a lot of things, give me less anxiety and stress, and give me peace, <gasps> then that floods over to question three. What are you going to do about it? So what's next? And let me say this. Jesus is not sitting in heaven with a clipboard and a stopwatch. It's not a, hmm, mm-hmm. Only meditated on two verses today. The third one was a doozy, but he completely missed it. He's not keeping score. He is, if you have dogs, I have one dog, one dog that, he's dumb. But he's, pre he's my dumb. His name's Rocky. He's my bulldozer. And then I have Kai. Kai's my resident psycho. But either one, when you come home, where have you been? 
and they're so excited that you're home. I'm like, oh my gosh, where have you been? Do you want to go outside? you want to go outside? Let's go. Let's go beat up a cat. Let's go find something. Let's go. Come on. They're so excited that you're home. You know, whenever you enter in the presence of God, Jesus is like, he's here. She's here. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. They're sitting down. Oh my gosh, the Bible's open. Oh my gosh, from the book of James. Hard book. Great book. I don't know if Jesus is hyper, but he's really, really excited to spend time with you. Because guess what? He does it independently with people all over the globe at the same time and still gives them personal attention every time. He's not daunted by numbers. He just loves to be with you. So as you go through your week this week, statistics say it, only, it takes 28 days to form a habit. They say it takes twice as long as that to break one. So if we're in a habit of not doing spiritual disciplines, how much more intentionally do we need to be in order to form a new habit? Because the old habits really, really, really want to, to creep in. Uh, I could do it tomorrow. I'll procrastinate tomorrow. Some of you will get that on the way home. We wait. Don't wait. It's whatever you can give is what he wants. It's not, like he said, he doesn't have a stop clock. Take the necessary, t necessary steps and have a very, very special distraction-free time with the Lord. Take time to be mindful of the time, place, and posture of your time with God. So what has become like our, I don't like the word custom, but I think it's, it's powerful when we are able to pray a blessing over you as we wrap up this morning. Is it okay if I pray a blessing over you? Okay. I wrote it so I didn't have to remember it. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that you want to spend time with us so very much. And you are an intimate God. You are a personal God. You are an active God. And you are an interested God. So, Father, throughout this week and beyond, I pray that you would give us the strength and the courage and the intentionality to spend time with you. I pray a blessing over my friends in this room and those watching online and that the Lord would make himself more real to you than ever before. And we do ask for that strength, that intentionality, that discipline to spend time with you each day so that we can know you more, hear you more clearly, and feel your embrace in our lives. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.